Well, today we are continuing on in our message series. Last week, Trent began a brand new series called God Is. And last week, uh, we started to explore, or this, in this series, we were exploring the various roles of God or the, God's nature. And so last week, uh, we would put in a uh, phrase or a word that would finish the sentence of God is. And for some of us, we put a positive in that. And for some of us, when we finish that sentence of God is, we would put a negative. Now, if we were to have like a whole discussion uh, and we had time to do that, we would find that there are many different perceptions about God and some that are right and then some that are wrong. And when we would have our discussion, no matter what you would say about God, we would all agree upon this one thing. See, we understand what it is to be misperceived and we don't like to be judged wrongly and we don't like to be misperceived at all. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at God and what he's really like. And in this series, we're going to try to clear up some of the misperceptions about who God is. Now, today we're going to be looking at a role that's very familiar to all of us. It's a role that's very important as it tells us who God is and how we should filter his actions or what we should think about his actions. And today we're going to be looking at a role that really determines how we interact with him. And so the role that we're going to be looking at today is God is Father. Now, let me kind of focus a little bit about on my earthly father before uh, we look into the subject. But let me tell you this story about my dad to help us with the subject. Now, you guys understand my dad is like 5'5", five, five, okay? I don't know what happened to me, okay? But he is also festively jolly, and he's fine with that as well, all right? Now, growing up, he is an extrovert. He is a morning person, and he is a ton of fun. Growing up, all my friends loved my dad, okay? They liked hanging out with my dad more than me. But anyways, um, growing up, my dad always supported me in everything that I did, Now, I didn't flat out rebel against my dad, but there was a part of me that wanted to do my own thing. So when I got to college, I ended up doing my own thing and I liked it, okay? And at one point in college, I got into a little bit of an altercation with someone. And after the event, uh, I was just talking to my dad casually on the phone and I started telling him about this altercation and he starts getting fired up, okay? Now you gotta realize something about my dad. He's like the nicest guy in the world. The only time that I remember him like getting like fired up or pretty angry is once when he was mowing the lawn, I snuck up behind him and I tackled him. (laughs) That is not a good thing. I recommend not doing that to anyone, okay? Now he doesn't cuss, but that day he cussed like a sailor, all right? So as I'm telling my dad about this altercation, he starts getting fired up and, um, at that point, like I had, he was talking about coming down and taking care of business to defend me and everything. And I had to like calm him down on the phone. And it kind of surprised me. For you see, I was kind of doing my own deal, my own thing. And I wasn't sure how God, or my dad was going to respond in that moment when I told him about this altercation. And it surprised me. But part of me was really proud of him, okay, for standing up for me. And uh, the thing that I didn't realize is as I put distance between my earthly father and myself, I didn't know that part of my dad. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about your perception of a father, but when we look at fathers and the perception of them, we often want to relate to our heavenly father like we relate to our earthly fathers. 
So maybe you had a great father when you were growing up. Maybe he was there at all of your activities. Or maybe you had a father that didn't really show up to the things that you wanted him to show up. Or maybe he was there physically, but not there emotionally. Or maybe he was just an awful dad. Or for some of us, unfortunately, maybe we didn't have a father. Now, regardless of the type of father that we had, here's what I know. If we were to get real honest, we would all desire to have a good father. But on the other hand, there's something deep within us as well that wants to do our own thing. And so at some point in our life, when we do our own thing, we create distance between us and our fathers. At some point in our lives, when we do our own thing, we also put distance between us and God. And when there is distance, we're not exactly sure what God thinks about us. We're not really sure what our standing is with him. We're not really sure how he will treat us. And we're not really sure how he will respond to us. Now, here's how some of us put distance between us and God. For some of us, we were born rebels. How many rebels do I have in the audience? Come on. I know you're out there. Yep, yep. Hey, that's all right. Admit it. That's good. That's cool. You know, because you rebels, you love to do your own thing, right? We rebels want to do our own thing. We, uh, we don't need our fathers. We don't need God, you know? We're just going to do our own thing. We want freedom. We want to make our own rules. And rebels, you don't mind me talking about you. You don't mind us talking about you. You're kind of proud that you've made a message, you know? You're kind of like, that's cool. I'm in the message today, you know? <laughs> and then for some of us, you know, we're not like these outward rebels, but for some of us, you know, we didn't rebel like outwardly against our fathers or against God, but we sure wanted to do our own thing. And so we didn't do anything to cause any trouble as we were growing up but we were just waiting. We were waiting to get out. And at that point, when we got out, it's not that we rebel outwardly. We rebel by knowing that we can control the little things and get our own way. Now, here's what rebels don't know. If a rebel gets married, they often marry an inward rebel. And an inward rebel loves to control the rebels. So rebels, if you're married to an inward rebel, you're being controlled. Let me just tell you that, all right? But anyways, whether you're an outward rebel or an inward rebel, here's what we all have in common. At some point, we've put distance between us and God. At some point in our lives, we've turned our backs on God, and we are content with doing our own thing in life. But yet something happens in life, something that makes us reconsider our relationship with God. Maybe something happens like uh, a family tragedy, or an unexpected diagnosis, or maybe we hit rock bottom because of our own devices, and it gets our attention. But the problem is, we don't know what God will do because we've put so much distance between us and him. We don't know how he will respond. And we wonder, will he treat us any differently? Will he treat us good if we return? Will he really accept us? Is he angry at us? Will he hold those things against us? What kind of father is he? So here's the good news. The good news is we can know exactly what the father is like. Jesus came so that we would know exactly who God the father is. And he would want us to know how God will respond to us when we turn back to him. 
So today we're going to look at a very definitive passage in scripture about God as father. And so if you would, would you turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 11 in your Bibles? You can use your smartphones if you have one. You can use one of the Bibles in the back, or you can use your own Bible to check out what we're going to be looking at today. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 11, and I'll give you a moment. Now, as you turn there, let me kind of set the scene for us, all right? So Jesus is out teaching one day to a large crowd. And within this crowd, there are two groups of people that we need to understand. And one of the groups of people, the religious leaders look really low uh, upon, all right? They would give them the label of tax collectors and sinners. How would you like that label, okay? So they gave them that label. And that group was comprised of tax collectors, but also prostitutes, also adulterers, uh, also liars, rebels, anyone that was like considered lower than a religious teacher. So that's like all of us, okay? So that's one of the groups of people that Jesus was teaching to that day. The other group of people who were there were the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Now here's what the Pharisees hated, okay? They could not stand when Jesus was spending time with those that they considered lower than themselves. And so Jesus is hanging out with them, teaching them, loving them, and they could not stand it. And the reason they couldn't stand it, they thought if God were interested in us as people, he would not be hanging out with the lowest of the low. He would be hanging out with like the Pharisees, those who followed all the rules, those who lived their lives according to God and stuff. And he would have no interest in anyone else. So we need to know that information, but we also need to know that Jesus taught in parables. Now, a parable is a story that illustrates a great truth about God. And so on this day, Jesus is gonna teach a parable about a father and his two sons. And the father represents God the father. And the older son represents the Pharisees. And the younger son represents all of us who were nothing like the Pharisees. And so on this day, this is an amazing story. In fact, if we were there, we would pull out our iPhones. We would be like recording this sucker and it would have like trended worldwide on the uh, YouTube or something. So that's what we need to know before we dive in. So let's dive into this great parable and see how God will respond to those who are far from him. Verse 11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now this would have shocked the entire audience. They wouldn't be able to believe the request that this guy did because here's the deal. When a father died, and if he had two heirs like this father, he, yeah, he would have given two-thirds of uh, the share of, a, his, of the inheritance to the older son, and he would have given a, a third of the share of the inheritance to his younger son. But the problem in this story is that the father's not dead. So here, everyone is shocked. Here's this younger son who's coming to him and asking for his share now. It would be like the son basically saying, I want you dead. That's what he would be saying at that moment. And he would be saying, I'm more concerned about your things than having a father. And so this was a dramatic insult. But even more shocking than this statement from the younger son is the response of the father. Check this out in verse 12. So his father agreed, his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. 
So here's why the response and the actions of the father are so shocking to that culture in that day. You see, in that day, um, there was a high respect for those who were your elders, and especially dad. You did not mess with dad. And everyone in this audience would have thought, wow, this kid needs some physical blows or maybe even a stoning. And so that would have been appropriate in that day for a request like this. And in this moment, the reason it's so like shocking is that the father didn't do that. Instead, the father complies. And that would have been an insult to the family. And that would have been an insult to the entire community for a father to have done that for his son. And so not only would this father have been dealing with the rejection of his son, he would have been also dealing with the rejection from his community for doing a thing like that for his son. Could you imagine? Put yourself in the the father's shoes and you had a son that came to you and said, I want you dead now and I want your stuff. Could you imagine what that would do within you? Man, we would be fired up. We'd be angry. We'd want to retaliate or we want to put that, that kid in check. But yet the father does nothing and he waits patiently in sight of losing his son and be rejected by his community. You know, if you're a parent of an older child who's walked away from you, you know how hard it is to wait for them to do the right thing. And um, just like the father in this story, that's what he experienced. And he just waited and waited and continued to wait. Now, could you imagine the things that he probably heard, which he probably heard about his son as his younger son's out there, you know? Let's fast forward and put this story in our century. Could you imagine the reports that you would hear back? Maybe he's been drinking and he gets in a car crash. Maybe he's addicted to drugs. Or maybe he's out partying and sleeping around with everyone. Or maybe he's been running up so much debt that he becomes desperate and he robs a store. Could you imagine if you were a father of a son like that? What would you do? But yet the father in this story continues to wait patiently. Isn't that what God does for us? Doesn't he wait for us? Doesn't he wait patiently? Let's continue on in the story and see what happens. So in verse 14, about that time, his, the the son, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and the son began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. You know that saying when you're down, you know who your friends are, right? You know, the problem with that saying is that when the party is over, you're just going to find yourself alone. And that's exactly what happened to this son. When the party was over, he had burnt bridges with his father, with his family, with his community. And all those friends that he picked up in his new life, they all deserted him when he had no money left. And that moment, he sunk to a low of lows and a famine strikes and he's desperate 
but greater than his hunger and greater than you know, suffering in this lowly job that he was in is that he found himself alone and desperate. And desperation never leads to anything good. When we sink that low in life, do you know what one of the hardest things is to live with? It's to live with things that God never intended us to live with. We live with regret. We live with shame. We live with addiction. We live under someone else's controls at times. And the freedom that we wanted to have often becomes what we become enslaved to. The freedom that we often look to have is the thing that we often become enslaved to. And we become broken. And that's what your Heavenly Father never intended for you to experience. So let's continue on to see how the son responds. Picking up in verse 17, he says, when he, the son, finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So at this point, the son realizes that he has messed up. He realizes he's the one who demanded his inheritance now. He is the one that realizes that he walked away from the father. And the only thing that gives him hope is remembering his father's love, a love that let him walked away. And we know that this son is sincere and we know that he's apologetic or that he is looking to uh, ask God for forgiveness because he says this, all right? We know that he's truly sorry. He says that he will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven, which represents God and you. So basically, the son's admitting that he is wrong and he's ready to ask for forgiveness. And we know that he's sincere because he doesn't expect to be reinstated as a son. Instead, he asks to be reinstated as a hired servant. I love you. I go open some more presents. Do you know what holds us back from asking God for forgiveness? It's often ourselves, and it's fear. Fear to admit that we've been wrong. Fear not knowing how God will respond to us and all that we have done. We're not sure if he'll reject us. We're not sure if he'll accept us. We're just not sure what he's going to do. What kind of father is he? For some of us, we think that we have wandered too far and that we've sinned too greatly and that there's no hope. But with God, there's always hope. He never gives up on us. And some of us, we think that God is just waiting there as we mess up to punish us, but that's not the truth. He's waiting there so that you can experience forgiveness 
And see, when you turn back, you will find that he holds nothing back from his great love for you. So let's see how the father responds to us in this part of the story. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father wouldn't have it. And he said to him, servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Isn't that the type of father that we would want? Isn't that the type of father that we long for? A father who is constantly looking for us. A father who will embrace us no matter what we have done. A father that will give us total forgiveness when we admit that we have been wrong. A father who loves us so much that he calls you a son. You, a daughter. A father that loves you so deeply and is proud of you. He's proud of you. That's the type of father that we have. And when you turn back, that's the response that you will get from your heavenly father. And the reason he can give us a right standing with him when we admit that we've been wrong and that we ask for forgiveness, it's because of what Jesus did. You see, we didn't examine the part in this story about the older son. The older son should have went after the younger son. And the reason that the father can wait for us patiently is because Jesus has stepped up and said, I will go after them. See, it costs the father everything. It costs him his son. And so when Jesus came to earth, he took off his rope so that he could give us robes and that he could give us a right standing with our heavenly father. He died on the cross. He became an outcast so that we could be invited in to God's family by grace when we, when we admit that we are wrong and ask for forgiveness. Because Jesus paid the price for our rebellion. See, it cost him greatly. It cost him his life because nothing is free, but yet Jesus was willing to give up his life for us. And so when you turn back to God, you will find that he holds nothing back because Jesus holds nothing back. When you turn back to God and God embraces you, it's because Jesus paid the price. Now in a moment, we're gonna conclude with this powerful song. And I really believe that God wants you to hear these words today. Some of you really need to listen to what's said in this song. And then there's some decisions that we need to make as well. So listen to the lyrics of this song. It says, come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. 
earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. O wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are, there's hope for the hopeless. Now some of you, you've been doing your own thing for a while. And you've been coming to Epic for a while. Or maybe you've just been coming to Epic shortly. And every time you walk through those doors, you just can't, you can't explain the experience that you have when you're here. Know that that's your Heavenly Father who's reaching out to you, who wants you to know Him. And so if you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life to forgive you of your sins, during this song, during the beginning of this song, would you do that? Would you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? And would you thank him for dying on the cross for you? And would you be restored into a relationship with your heavenly father who sees you totally forgiven, who fully accepts you? That's the type of father we have. So if that's your heart during this song, would you just simply say, God, I have been wrong. I've messed up. I've sinned. Jesus, would you forgive me? And would you come into my heart? And I am yours today. And then there's some of us, you know, we've become a Christ follower and we've returned, but there's something in our past that continues to grip us, something that we don't think that God can forgive us of. Do you realize in this story that the son wanted to come back as a hired servant but the father didn't let him finish his speech and he interrupted him and he declared him a son. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are fully acceptable to him. You don't have to do anything. He's done it all. And so during this song, would you, would you lay down that burden that you've been carrying? And would you say to your heavenly father, father, I embrace what you have done. It is finished and I'm going to no longer regret my past, and I'm gonna move forward with you. So would you express that during this song? And then there's some of you who have some older children who walked away from you, and you've kind of given up on them, and probably rightly so. They probably did some ugly things, and you've started to not love them anymore. During this song, would you say, God, you know what? I'm going to not give up on them and I'm going to continue to love them. Would you forgive me for not loving them? And I'm going to wait as long as I need to, to see them return. And I'm not going to give up on them. And so would you pray that to your heavenly father and ask him for help in that area? And so as you talk to God at the beginning of this song, would you make those decisions? And would you talk to your heavenly father who hears you? And then would you sing those words and thank your heavenly father for what he's done, that he is a father that is full of forgiveness in his eyes and in his embrace. And so would you say to him, thank you for being that type of father that I can turn to. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are the great I am. Father, thank you that we can call upon you as Father. 
and that you forgive us fully when we turn back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming after us. Thank you for being the good older brother that should have went after the younger brother. And thank you so much for forgiving us so that we could have a right standing with our Father. God, thank you for never giving up on us. And so today, we make these commitments to you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Epic. (laughs) Good morning. Louder than that. Come on. Good morning, Epic. There we go. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Well, my name's Cody Anderson, and I am the leader of Surge, our student ministry here at Epic. Um, And if you could, just pick up that announcement sheet right next to you that we have. I just need to highlight a few things on there. Now, the 4th of July is coming upon us shortly, and Surge is actually doing a float in the parade. So there's three things that makes our float successful in the parade. One is that we have an awesome float. Um, which we're working on now too, that we are the loudest, we have the loudest speakers and music possible to run down that road, which we have that accomplished. And then the candy, we cannot run out of candy. We do not want to be that float. So we need your help. If you guys could pick up uh, a candy that's not going to melt, a bag or two as you're out shopping, and just take it back to the Connection Center when you come in uh, next Sunday or the Sunday after, that would help us out extremely to be successful in the 4th of July uh, parade. Now, if you are in middle or high school, or you have a child in middle or high school, one way we communicate to our surge students are um, through our texting program. So you can actually sign up for our texting program by texting Epic Surge to 313131, um, and you will get the weekly updates. We have events on there. We have encouraging words we send out, um, fun strategies for games that we have coming upon us, uh, just random things on there. So you definitely want to text that, get those weekly, so you can keep plugged in with what we're doing. Now, the service today, uh, we actually have a couple clips that are going to have a PG-13 rating. So if you have children that are sixth grade below, we just recommend that you take them back to our Epic Kids area, which is the first through through sixth grade back there. They have an awesome summer summer curriculum that they're doing. They're having an amazing time. It's fun. It's just very accelerated. And they would probably have more fun back there than what they're going to have out here. So we just encourage you to utilize that during their service today if they're under the sixth grade. Now, here at Epic, we love to give of our time, our talents, and resources to be able to impact the community and the people directly around us. Now, if you are not serving uh, right now at Epic, we just encourage you to stop back by the Connection Center there and see if there's an opportunity that you can fill back there. Now, if you call Epic your home and you would like to give, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in the giving boxes right behind you. Now, if you're new to Epic, we're just so happy you're here. Um, If you could, just stop by the Connection Center over in the corner on your way out. We just want to say hi to you, meet you personally, and give you a little information and tell you what Epic's all about. Now, if everybody could stand up for me and just give your neighbor a high five, elbow bump, handshake, whatever it is, say hi. And if you have kids in the sixth grade below, this is the perfect time to take them back. 